But great to see everyone here today. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm so excited that people came back after last week's message on the government. And so we, we talked about some pretty significant issues last week. And so uh, they have not yet flagged it on YouTube. So if you missed it, uh, you go ahead and check that out, as well as any of our other previous messages from Travis and I at our website, Redeemer Church. Uh, TV. And so if you want to catch up as far as where we're at on First Peter, because where we're at on First Peter, as we know, it is a significant amount of topics. It is a roller coaster ride with so many peaks and, and valleys and twists and turns. And so we were able to, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, step into what is our identity in Christ, this royal priesthood, a chosen uh, a holy nation. Uh, and so those are the, some of the things that we looked at. And from there, we are to allow our conduct to be uh, directed from our identity. And then last week, we talked about how uh, we really want to step into what does it mean when it says that we are to submit to the governing authorities. We are to stand firm in the freedom that we have under God in Christ. And when we submit to God, uh, we obey God rather than men. And this week, as we see, we have another challenging premise. And, and that is to say that in the midst of suffering, even when that suffering is unjust, we are to endure that and we are to endure it uh, graciously. And so, so just as we, we talked about last week, when we put this word submission and government into the same sentence, it's almost as if I just cussed from the pulpit, right? Uh, but also today, you could laugh, that was a joke. Um, but also today, we see this counterintuitive, countercultural premise that, that we are to endure suffering, even when it's unjust, because our, our human nature, our, our bent is that we want to uh, avenge, we want to retaliate, we want to um, seek vindication, but instead, this is not what the Lord is telling us today in our passage. And so, so, and I just want to say, Redeemer Church, this is really what stepping into our faith looks like. There's going to be times that we have to allow the Word of God to really direct things. As we know from Hebrews 4.12, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Oftentimes we take these topics, we, we take these issues, and, and we allow God's word uh, to speak into it. And, and from that comes growth. Come, from that comes uh, times when we have to take these deeply ingrained thoughts, uh, these aspects of how we were raised, um, mindsets, even spiritual strongholds. And we have to uh, really combat some of the things in which um, we have to fight against. What are some of the things that we've had to deal with as far as our upbringing is concerned? Some of the things that we've had to experience in life, some of the hurt that we've had to endure, how we are to allow God's word to really speak into this. Because the Lord, he gives us with all things a, a new way, a, a different way uh, that is, runs in contradiction to what the world has to say, runs in contradiction to what our own sinful bent in desire wants to do. And so we have to, here today, we have to really step into this as far as what does it mean, what does it look like when we have to endure suffering, even when that suffering is unjust. And, and when we really step into that, when we're able to step into releasing this need to retaliate, to feel vindicated, or even to seek revenge, oftentimes we find ourselves at a place, this is where we find freedom. Freedom. And what, what are we told in Galatians 5.1? For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 
And this is what we're um, going to be talking about today. This is where we're going. And we can only do this when we look to the example set before us by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so, so this week we're going to be covering eight verses. It's kind of a, a big chunk compared to what we've been uh, dealing with the last uh, couple months or so. So please open up your Bibles to 1 Peter. We're going to be closing out chapter 2, looking at verses um, 18 through 25. And really just talking about those aspects of um, what, are we, what are we supposed to do when, I lost my place marker, this is great. Uh, does John know his books of the Bible? Yes, John does. <laughs> um, but this is important because uh, God's word just really has to translate as far as how we are to navigate these things. And, and oftentimes we just uh, uh, allow things, uh, the world and the culture to really permeate as far as how we are to navigate this. But again, we need to allow these words to really speak into our lives, even if they're difficult. And so now I apologize because we are uh, covering seven verses. There is not a whole lot of room on your program to take notes. And so uh, that's just kind of a plug uh, for these Redeemer notebooks. You get one of these when you finish our, re- our membership class. And so, uh, but remember, the human mind works and thinks along the lines, if you, if you write things down, you retain it three times as much versus just reading it or hearing it. So, so you know, if there's not a whole lot of room on, on your program today, that might be the Lord beckoning you and leading you toward, uh, towards uh, taking notes in a journal. So, so here we go. So verses 18 through 25, this is what the word of God has to say for us today. It says, servants... Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures suffering while suffering unjustly, sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to you, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now you returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Church, pray with me. Lord, there's nothing in these passages that um, we really could lean into and say that we love and embrace. That no one likes to, first of all, endure suffering, and no one likes to endure suffering, especially when it's unjust. So, Lord, with all things, uh, show us your way. Uh, Show us what uh, we are to do when faced with these difficult crossroads in our life. God, it says that we are to entrust in him who judges justly. Well, Lord, what does that word entrust mean? It it means that we're to trust you. We we are to trust that you withhold the, the universe by the power of your word. God, as we are told in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. And God, show us at times in our life when we are called to do that, what that means and how we are to do that. We ask these things 
in your name. Amen. So this week, as we saw last week, it starts off by saying that we are to be uh, subject to. So last week, uh, the passage started off by saying we are to be subject to uh, the human institutions, to the governing authorities. And, and then this week, it says Peter is using this example of, of servants and, and masters in the Roman times. Okay, and so, uh, and then next week, you know, gals, it's, it's wives submit to your husband. So it's going to be a great week for everybody. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> wow, we had an amen. <laughs> so he's probably sleeping on the couch tonight. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, so last week after the topic on government, you know, so, you know, my, my car still was intact. Okay, so uh, hoping for that next week as well. And so, but we, we, uh, we step into these things and we start off, it says, Ser- servants, be subject to your masters and with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So as we step into this verse, we see two words right off the bat. We see servants and we see masters. And so uh, the, the Greek for the word servants is oikete, which is different than this word doulos, which we see elsewhere when referring in God's word to the topic of uh, slaves or slavery. Oikos, though, means house. And it's more than likely because oikos means house from where we get the word oikete. It, it probably means that Peter was referring to household servants. And this makes sense because um, he's addressing husbands and, and wives and, and children. And now he's, re, um, he's really addressing uh, servants and their masters. And so, so also when we see this word servant, when we see this word oikete, and we see this word slave, doulos, it's important to bring a little bit of context into these two words, especially, right, in this day and age. And so, so today's message is not a, a topical message on the, the evils of American slavery, okay? But it also is not a message to discuss this anti-biblical and fundamentally flawed, I mean, is that going to roll all the way down? I mean, that would have been great. I could have picked up. <laughs> and fundamentally flawed, right at this point as well, social view of critical race theory. And so that's, that may be for another day. But it is important to address this. What was the geographical and geopolitical landscape of Roman slavery, sl- slavery in which Peter was writing from um, in these passages? And so, so first we could look at two things, two different areas. Uh, first of all, we could see that uh, the Roman Empire, 25% of the entire population was in slavery or servanthood from the perspective of one of two things. First of all, it may have been a result of uh, someone um, owing a great amount of debt, even an unpayable amount of debt. And so what they would have to do, they couldn't pay this amount back, so they would have to indenture themselves uh, to uh, the person that they owed money to. And this could be up to 20 to 30 years. And so until they paid that off, it was somewhat volitional in nature. And so they could get to the point where they actually... um, worked out their, their, their freedom. And so we could also see another example, and that would be because the, the Roman Empire was in such a, um, just a torrent tirade as, as far as overtaking other countries that when they would take over other countries, some of these individuals within those countries would become uh, slaves to the Roman Empire. So up to 25% of the entire uh, Roman population were uh, in slavery or servanthood. And so, so we could arrive at the fact that it was not racial in nature, but it was more geopolitical and um, socioeconomic in in nature as far as servanthood and slavery was concerned in the Roman Empire. Now, it goes without saying that 
Slavery is an evil, horrific, and sinful practice in which Peter is in no way condoning just because he's speaking into it. So that's very important. Slavery was dehumanizing in nature. They possessed little to no rights. Um, It condoned sin. And it just also allowed to treat people not as individuals or persons in the image of God, but uh, truly as a property. And so, so it's from here that Peter was writing these words today. Christians uh, oftentimes uh, being uh, as a result of that lower socioeconomic status, many of these individuals were in slavery or in servanthood. And so this is where Peter is writing to. He's saying that some of these individuals, they may have had masters that were uh, generous, that they were uh, essentially just being brought into part of the family. And some of these slaves had masters that were indeed cruel, that were indeed um, just very uh, harmful as how they, they were treated. And so this is really what he's speaking to today. He's speaking to them and he's speaking to us and he's petitioning and commanding and saying that even when we have to endure suffering, even when this suffering is unjust, that we're to respond with grace. We're to respond graciously. And this is our first point in the form of a question and answer. What are we called to do? What are we called to do from this passage? Well, we're called to endure suffering graciously even when it is unjust. First Peter 2, 19 and 20. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So we are told two times in these verses that this is a gracious thing to endure suffering, even when it's unjust. So we can arrive at the fact that there are probably three types of suffering in the Christian life. We, we could look at the fact that there is natural suffering, right? So we could, uh, Genesis, the, the Garden of Eden, the fall of man, that one day all of uh, humans will, will die. That's guaranteed. We are going to endure sickness and aging and difficult things just because we live in this a fallen world that may or may not be a result of, of sin, right? And then we could look at justified suffering. And, and this is a, a sin, maybe unrepentant, willful sin in the face of the Lord and what he's trying to do. He's trying to get our attention and he's trying to chasten us back to him. And so he allows difficult things in order to say, hey, I, I'm doing some things that I need to not be doing. I'm continuing down this road uh, of destruction when he wants us to be going down the road uh, of righteousness, right? And so uh, some of those things may be pretty significant. If I neglect my wife, family, and kids, well, they're going to grow up to be embittered towards me, right? And some of these things could be a little bit more minor or on the light side, right? So I remember not too long ago, I got a speeding ticket, and unfortunately, it was the one that I had to pay the hefty duty fine, the $130 one, not the $90 fine, right? And so that was not a good decision. So that was a consequence that was suffering because I had to pay back that speeding ticket, right? Or, or it's a situation like students, like, hey, if you procrastinate on studying for your test, well, you're going to have to pull an all-nighter, and you might not get as good of a grade on your test, right? And so if I don't get my message done earlier in the week, then the rest of my week is kind of all over the place. And so those are some things that we really um, have to look at as far as um, justified suffering. And so, so one, one individual, one writer said this, everything happens 
for a reason, but the reasons might be because you're dumb and you make bad decisions. And so, and so that, might, that might be the case as far as justified suffering is concerned. Sometimes we make stupid decisions, right? And there's no getting around that. But what we're talking about today is what is it and how is it, how are we to endure unjust suffering? And, and we talked about this a lot last week, right? What happens when we have this altruistic motive to come forward and say, hey, I want to do something nice out of, you know, the goodness of my heart, and then that is not received well. But what if someone just scoffs it or actually comes after you for that? As we talked about last week, we're going to see more and more of that because our life in Christ, we could feel just the walls closing in. We, we could feel that just being obedient, being an obedient follower of Jesus Christ is going to result in persecution. It's going to result in people not agreeing with what we have to say. It's going to result in people just putting us off and ostracizing us, whether it be friends or, or families or the workplace. Maybe you're overlooked for a job promotion just because, hey, that's that Jesus person over there. That's that Jesus guy or Jesus gal. Like, we don't do those things. And so those are some things that we have to step into that there will be times that there is unjust suffering or sometimes things just happen right and we look to the fact that natural suffering at times is going to take place and we just say why Lord why are you allowing this to happen to me I've been faithful what you've put in front of me but it feels like oftentimes some of these aspects and some of these seasons of suffering can indeed feel very unjust right and this is this is hard this is a profoundly challenging premise when we say that we are not to seek vindication we are not to seek retaliation we are not to seek revenge when it comes to suffering when when someone hurts us the Lord is saying in these verses that we're to endure it we're to approach it graciously And, and this is this is challenging because because I know many of you, I know myself and I I know many of you and that's you know reasons I I love many of you that you say hey you, you mess with me, you mess with my friends, you mess with my family, and as we talked about last week, you mess with my faith, well, guess what? We're going to have some words, right? And, you know, we could find ourselves there oftentimes. But what this passage is saying, it's actually saying that in light of all those people messing with you, that we are not to mess back. We are not to mess back. We are to endure graciously. And there's a few reasons why we we are to do this from the passage. Well, first of all, we could see that the Lord is watching. The Lord is watching and the Lord is pleased. It says almost twice verbatim, the same thing with a slightly different language. In verse 19, it says, this is a gracious thing when being mindful or mindful of, of God. And so verse 20 concludes, it says this, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So being mindful of God and, and being within the sight of God, both speaking into the fact that we are to, to fear and, and honor and revere the Lord because he is watching. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. And you know, Peter is basically saying, with God as your witness, these are the things that we are to do. This is a gracious thing. It says in, in light of this, in light of maybe what we feel welling up inside of us with our pride, with our, our need to, to just fight back, oftentimes the, the Lord is saying that's not what we're to do. 
We're to serve him. We're to serve God and not man. And oftentimes that means responding in that counterintuitive, countercultural way that has nothing to do with what our flesh wants to do, that has nothing to do with what this world tells us to do and how we're to respond. It is saying that there's a different way. And this is really uh, just an aspect of just our life following after Jesus. This is, the Lord is saying this because it pleases him because we are indeed following in the footsteps of his son, Jesus Christ. And it also just reminds us of this mindset that we are to have. And what is that mindset? That, that we are living this life in this world, on this earth, as exiles, as sojourners. We're living our life in this world and we're preparing, we're preparing ourselves for the, the eternal rewards that are awaiting us in the future. And, and we need that reminder. Uh, you know, we just joked around about this. It's it set up this morning. Uh, you know, this is uh, the best life now. You know, that's just the, the damning nature of the prosperity gospel. It doesn't speak into the fact that suffering is a, a part of our life in Christ. Your, your best life now is awaiting us, okay? It's not going to be here on earth. And oftentimes we need this reminder. We need this reminder that we are preparing for ourselves riches, eternal riches. Things that happen here on this earth that are difficult oftentimes are just being stored up in, in treasure, treasures as treasures for us in our eternal kingdom. And that's something that we have to regularly uh, step into. But we have these eternal rewards and we receive earthly perseverance through suffering, sorrow, and trials. And so, you know, it's almost as if we, uh, it, it, is it worth it to endure a small amount of pain for a, a great treasure, right? And so, I mean, I don't know. How many of you guys would have stepped into the ring with Mike Tyson back in the day? I mean, if they said, hey, five million bucks, 30 seconds in the ring with Mike Tyson, I mean, anybody? I, I probably would pass. Maybe some of the yoked huge dudes in the room would, uh, where's Ty? Yeah, right there, money over there. So he, he might do it, okay? I mean, if you said like five, five million bucks, I, I mean, I'd, I'd probably pass. But just that premise of, you know, oftentimes, what does it mean? Because we could look to Scripture. What does it tell us in 2 Corinthians, right? This, this light momentary affliction, what is it doing? It's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What, what do we see at the beginning of 1 Peter? This imperishable, this undefiled, this unfading inheritance is, is being guarded and kept for us by Jesus Christ on that day. And so these are the things that we look to. Now, what it doesn't mean is we don't condone Sin. We, we don't con condone sinful or abusive practices that uh, are being done to us or, or being done to the loved ones that we, we surround ourselves with. And we talked about this last week. There are going to be some times where there's true evil and deceit before us and we will have to take a stand with conviction and, and passion and, and justice. But it's so easy to do that at times, isn't it? It's so easy to fight, but it's so hard to endure unjust actions towards us. There's going to be times in our lives, and there might be times right now, where the Lord is calling us to lay down our arms. The Lord is calling us to entrust in him who judges justly. This is part of the sanctifying 
refiner's fire that oftentimes we have to go through because the end result is pure gold. And we run away from that oftentimes. And we say, no, I have to shake my angry fist. I have to retaliate with my words. And there's going to be times in each and every one of our lives that that is exactly the opposite of what the Lord may be calling you to do. James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for after he has withstood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. These are the things that oftentimes are so countercultural, counterintuitive to our own propensities as far as what we want to do and how we want to retaliate. And the question is, oftentimes, when we step down those roads, when we step down those roads with just like the, the sledgehammer, say, hey, you don't treat me like this. I could do what I want and you don't tell me what to do. Those are the times like, how does that end up for us at times? For many times, in many ways, in many instances, it, it just results in a train wreck. And so there's going to be times where the Lord is saying, put down your arms and say, I'm protecting you by not allowing you to just be given over to your sinful bent and propensities and, and to say, like, I have a better way for you. The, the Lord is going to fight your battles. And we could also look at the fact that the reason that we need to step into this is because this is exactly what was displayed as an example for us. Verse 21 and 23, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow, that you might follow in his steps. It says it right there. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. You see, Here's the thing, as followers of Jesus, we are called to do just that. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus when things are good. Follow Jesus when the path that he takes us on is hard. Luke 14, 27. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Follow me. Hebrews 12, 12, we are told to look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the, the, the founder and perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith. And so this is where we see this shift in Peter's words in our passage today. He says, this is the command, this is the imperative to say that you are to graciously suffer, even when the suffering is unjust. But now we see, how are we to do that? How are we to do this? We are to look to the example of Jesus Christ. Again, in the form of a question and answer, our second point, how are we to do this? We are to look at the example of Christ. You see, the Lord never tells us to go to a place that he himself has not already gone. Peter is telling us to look to Christ, look to Jesus, look to how our Savior set an example for us and how we are to navigate through these difficult times of unjust suffering. Verse 21 states that Christ suffered for us. He died so that we may be set free. 
The same verse in Hebrews that we just alluded to, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The Lord, our Lord received glory through his difficult suffering. Our suffering Savior suffered in the most unimaginable of ways. And what was his response? What was his response? It says here, he did not sin. He did not try to manipulate the situation. There was no deceit found in his mouth. His speech was honoring before the Lord. His actions were honoring before the Lord. He was being mindful of God, knowing that he was in the sight of God. When he was reviled in the worst of ways, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued to entrust in him who judges justly. And if you hear one thing today, this is what I want you to hear. We need to release our our need to hurt back. We, We need to release this need to think about how we're going to hurt back. We need to release this aspect of, hey, I'm just going to table this for a little bit, but you better believe when the right time and moment comes, you're going to get hurt back. We need to say, even when we're not allowed to hurt back, we need to receive the fact that we're not to seethe and hold all this anger and bitterness and resentment towards that person. We are called to release the need for vindication for retaliation, for revenge. And why are we to do this? Because we are to entrust in him who judges justly. We're to entrust in the Lord in these things. Again, when he was reviled, and I I keep repeating this, and why? Because I don't think we could leave here and not actually step into this. It's going to be so easy to hear this, these words and to really step into this passage and just to leave and go back to our same retaliatory behavior because it's difficult and it's difficult. So I want people to really embrace this. This is a different way from maybe even since a very young age in how we've been told to respond. Now again, there's going to be battles that we have to fight with vigilance, with passion, with conviction. But so oftentimes it's so easy to say, no, I'm I'm coming back at you with everything I've got. You hurt me and how dare you do that. But this is what we need to walk away with today. We need to entrust in him who judges justly. When he's reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting in him who judges justly be so hard to step into it's also very hard and difficult to step into because of this because it's no longer the fight that we have with the the perpetrator the individual that hurt us right it is now the fight that we have to take on ourselves it's the fight of of our own flesh to say that we're going to fight against that we're no longer going to fight about against that person because that's easy that's the easy way out but now What we're being called to do is that we need to internalize this and make it our own fight. It's our fight against ourselves and how we will respond. You know, oftentimes when we go through these seasons of unjust suffering or just suffering in general, 
We are told and we may tell others to say, hey, just take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. And, and that's good advice, right? We would all agree on the fact that if we say, you know, talking with someone that's going through a difficult time, just take it to the Lord. Take it to Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's a really good thing to say. That's a really good thing to receive. But the question is, what does that actually mean? I mean, if you're a new believer in Christ or maybe just a, a, not even a follower of Jesus, what does that even mean, taking it to the Lord? Well, first of all, it, could, it means that, that we're to come to him in prayer. It says, Lord, I'm at the worst of places. I don't trust what I'm thinking. I don't trust what I'm saying. I don't trust my own actions. But I need to come to you, Lord. And just as one of our pillars of our church, that prayer that is dependent on him, and recognize that I need to put all my dependence on the Lord. And know that he loves me, that he cares for me, that he is for you, that he wants to take this mess and restore it to his glory. What are we told in Matthew? Look at the sparrows of the air. Are you not of more value than they? If your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? How much more will your father in heaven good, give good things to those who ask him. And this is what this word entrusted means. It means that we're going to trust that the Lord has for us his best interests because the Lord will fight the battle for you as we prayed in Exodus 14, 14. And you only have to be silent. <laughs> How often do we do that? How often do we say, Lord, this battle is yours to fight? I'm bound out. I'm bound out. This is what we're told. We have to know and recognize that the Lord is for us. He is a, a rampart for our souls. And in Psalm 18:2, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. We need to pray that verse. We need to Re remember that verse regularly that God is for us. He is seeking to put back the pieces. He's seeking to, to say like, this is a mess, but Lord, I'm coming to you because I know you're sovereign. You, you know all. I've got nothing, but Lord, through you, I can do all things. Now, again, it, it doesn't mean that uh, we just nullify all the wrongs that were done to us. It doesn't mean that we just pretend that these things never happen, brush them under the rug. It doesn't mean that we don't step into some of these hurtful emotions and really try to navigate through that. We're human. We're not robots. When we hurt, there's nothing we could do to get around the hurt that is just seems to be consuming us. These feelings are normal. But here's what it does mean. It means this, that we have to decide and resolve in our mind that this is not our battle to fight. It's not our battle to fight. It's the Lord's battle. It says, remember, this is a gracious thing to do in the sight of God. A gracious thing to do. It's pleasing to him. When we are mindful of the Lord and we submit to him in this area, unjust suffering, we show off his glory. We show off his glory. When we entrust to him who judges justly, we show off his glory. 
We are, we are called to pardon this offense. Again, putting aside the retaliative nature of, of just vindication, revenge, or a vengeance. And, and oftentimes this could be so hard to do, but it's when we realize that these feelings, these thoughts, these actions and motives of vindication, retaliation, and revenge, well, they're not ours to wield. They're not ours to wield. Whose are they to wield? Well, they're the Lord's. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I mean, just let's go King James. Saith the Lord, I will repay. It is not yours to wield. And that is not what our flesh says. That is not what our culture tells us. And this is why it's so difficult. Almighty creator of the universe, he sees all, he hears all, he deals with all according to his sovereign governance. He is in control even when things feel like they're completely out of control. We give it to the Lord. We give it to the Lord. It's his battle to fight. When we lay it down, he picks it up. When we lay down this seething animosity, when we say, Lord, it's your battle to fight, that's when he picks it up. That's when he works things out. And for many in this room, that's where freedom is found. Because we've been holding on to this thing. We've been holding on to this need to retaliate. We just kind of like harbor it. And it festers. And if it's left undealt with, it will consume you. And this is where many of us find ourselves today. I remember finding myself here at this time. Like, I mean, you know, my friend was, I've shared this before. Some of you guys have been around. My friend was just calling me Job, right? It's like, my dad died. Uh, my, my sister was diagnosed with brain cancer. My mother had a stroke. My brother was in a horrific car accident. And then my youngest son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. All in the midst of that, I took my first ministry job. And then I quit my first ministry job. All within about 18 months. And so you're just kind of like unjust suffering. You're just kind of like, why are you allowing all of this to happen? And, and you, what we do is we target certain individuals, Right? The, this person hurt me, therefore, this is going to be the ire of my, my wrath, or this is going to be the, the point that I, I just blame everything on. But I could have used these words back then, to be perfectly honest with you. Giving myself the gift of freedom. The gift of freedom that says, I'm going to entrust in him who judges justly. You don't need to worry about things. I had lunch with a friend this past week, and he's like, karma's going to get him. I'm like, Man, karma's not a Christian term. <laughs> but I said, say this instead. It sounds way cooler. Say something along the lines of uh, just we're going to trust in our sovereign, omniscient God who is going to judge justly. Because make no mistake, all of our sins are paid for. All of the sin in all of mankind, they're paid for. They're either paid for the penal substitutionary atonement, meaning that the, the penalty was laid on Jesus Christ. 
And, and he took our own sin as a substitute and he atoned for it on the cross. And, and as followers of Jesus, this is where our sin is paid for. And those sins are paid for, thanks be to God. But for those that aren't followers of Jesus, those sins are paid for as well in hell. And, and so this need to say they're going to go on their way, well, it's hypocritical to say that, that, that Jesus Christ, you know, died for their sins but not for mine, right? Or, or died for my sins and not for theirs. To say that Jesus Christ died for all followers, they, they, he died for their sin. But he also died for those perpetrators that did harm to us. And, and that's really what we need to land on and embrace. That we don't need to worry about things. The Lord will deal with people. Do not be a slave to your need to avenge any longer. He judges justly. And Peter finishes our passage today by giving us one more reminder of why we are to step into this countercultural, counterintuitive line of thinking, of enduring suffering graciously, even when it is unjust. So often we could feel like we're in an island in these situations. It says, I mean, we've all been there at some point. No one understands the hurt. No one understands the difficult time that I've had to navigate through, right? I mean, you know, this is just something that, hey, I could tell you what's going on, but you, do, you truly don't know. But here's the thing. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. As this verse concludes, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd, to the shepherd and to the overseer of your souls. We need to know that Christ oversees your soul. Christ oversees your soul. He's got you in your time of need in the darkest hour, in the, the season in which you feel that this is the worst of suffering, this is unjust suffering, we need to hold fast to the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ is still overseeing our soul. So again, we see how Peter is just so eloquently and strategically in a, uh, just um, referring back to Old Testament prophecy as we see in Isaiah 53. We see the parallels between these two passages and, and he just is taking us through this example set before us in Jesus Christ and he's, he's saying in these verses today we could look to Jesus. Isaiah 53, 4 and 6. Surely he took up upon our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In both passages, we could see that by Christ's wounds, by Christ's stripes, that we have been healed. As we talked about last week, who has authority over you? It's not the government, ultimate authority. It's not this week the, the person that hurt us. 
It's the Lord. The Lord has authority over you. We have an audience of one. It is him, him that we are seeking to please because he purchased you. Because by his wounds you have been healed. By his wounds you have been delivered. The Lord has oversaw your soul since the, the foundation of the world in the dark period of life that you're enduring right now. And he is going to oversee your soul, the shepherd, the guardian, the overseer all the way to eternity. We all like sheep have gone astray, but we return to the good shepherd. And this is something that we need to rejoice in. We don't need to fret and worry if we've suffered unjustly because one day in a twinkling of an eye, all of this life will pass away, right? As we are told in Revelation 21.4, he will wipe away every tear. There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. No more unjust suffering. Just glory. Just glory. Because Jesus Christ is overseeing our soul and he will continue to guard our soul all the way till we see him face to face for all of eternity. We can graciously endure unjust suffering because the Lord is watching, because we could look to the example set before us in Jesus Christ, because the Lord judges justly, and because he is the shepherd and overseer, the guardian of our soul, and no one and no thing could ever snatch us from his hand. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Our true freedom can only be found in Christ. Not because we are weak. Not because, like, we don't have the means to retaliate and avenge. But because we look to Jesus as an example. We look to how he dealt with unjust suffering, and that's where we find our freedom. And so today, as we step into communion, what does that mean for all of us? What does that mean? Because every single person living in this fallen world has a story, and we have a decision to make. As we examine and confess and repent of our sin with communion today, what is it that the Lord is leading you to? Who is it that he's leading you to forgive? What's a situation that says, Lord, I need to give it to you. I'm no longer going to harbor. I'm no longer going to hold fast to this. I'm going to give it to the one who judges justly. And to be perfectly honest with you, that could be one of the hardest things you've been called to do in, in your entire life. But it, it is at that, at that place that you're going to find freedom. And we just pray that uh, whatever the Lord is doing, however he's working in our lives, that, that this would be a byproduct of today's words for us. And so as we take communion, we'll, um, they'll pass and we're going to sing this last song. I'll come back up and we'll take communion together because we need to follow in Christ, follow in his footsteps, follow the example set forth before him.
Christ is my reward and all of my devotion. Now there's nothing in this world could ever satisfy through every trial my soul will sing no turning back I've been set free Christ is enough for me Christ is enough for me everything I need is in you everything I need Christ my all in all my joy and my salvation in this hope will never fail because heaven is our home through every storm my soul will sing Jesus is here to God be the glory Christ is enough for me Christ is enough God's Word says in Matthew that after he had given thanks, he took the bread. And he broke it. 
And he said, eat in remembrance of me. And after that, he took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of my covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Drink. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we continue to just bow at your feet. Lord, that you would give us more and more of you. It is a difficult thing to navigate, to forgive, to put aside wrongdoings, to say, Lord, that this is no longer my battle to fight, but this is your battle to fight because you judge justly. So, Lord, there is never an easy path in which we are to take that leads to glory, that leads to righteousness. It's always going to be an uphill battle until we are with you for all of eternity. But on this side of eternity, Lord, help us. Help us through your word. Help us to navigate what it is that we are to do and who it is that we are to be as followers of you, Jesus. Lord, you don't mince words when it comes to your word. Lord, as difficult as some of these mindsets may be, Lord, allow us to step into them with obedience. God, know, knowing that we are the recipients of your goodness through this, God, that we are storing up treasures in heaven. And Lord, we pray these things and we embrace these things and we live according to these things because you're worth it. You died for us. God, we recognize our lives as servants to you. God, help us. We ask these things in your name. Amen.